February the 24th, 2019, from Coolidge, Arizona. Good morning, folks. Good morning. It is a most beautiful day down in Coolidge. The trip from where we live in, in uh, Chandler to here was absolutely gorgeous. The foothills were all covered with snow this morning. What a sight, a very unusual sight for me. And everything looks so clean and crisp. It's been a wonderful week. But when we come to Acts chapter 16, I want you to remember that when we go through these passages, we need to take time to catch the gems in each of these passages because I will not likely ever pass this way again. And that can be true of what God has done in the past, is that, now listen carefully. Are you tuned in? No, some of you are still turning pages. Now stop it. <laughs> I had no idea whether to. See, God so loved the world that he sent the Democratic Party to save us. And before you Republicans get too smug, God so loved the world and sent the Republican Party to save us. Now, if you can buy either of those, you've got equal problems. You see, when it came time to fixing the world, God didn't send any political party. He sent his son, Jesus Christ. And through him, all things can be healed, and without him, nothing can be healed. And until you get that straight, you're wasting my time, I'm wasting yours. There is no solution to the world's dilemma, and it is in a dilemma. We have big problems. Everywhere we have big problems. We think we have big problems. But it's worldwide. Fortunately, it's getting worse because when things get bad enough, they get to the bottom eventually, and from there, there's nowhere to go but up. That changes your perspective. But remember that when God, when, when God settled his love for his ordered cosmos, the beauty of that order, and he saw people who were out of that beauty, out of that order. That's John 3.16, by the way. And those are the words that are implied by his use of the word cosmos, that God was so in love with that cosmos, and he saw the people in that cosmos as a part of that cosmos, out of beauty and out of order. He sent his son, and only through that son can the world's ills be solved. Not until then, not before then. It has to be that way. And folks, you're, otherwise you're just wasting your time and you're, you're walk, walking in the wrong attitude. God will never pass that way again to send his son again. That's all been accomplished. 
When we go through the book of Acts, we're studying how the solution to the world's dilemmas could be reached, how it could be, how it could be put together. The establishment of his church, that is the only institution on earth that is totally without coercion. And folks, that has been missed, 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 missed big. Our, our constitution still of this country, as great as it is, still requires a coercion for it to function. And folks, until we get free of coercion, we are not back to the truth. Now, Lydia had a desire, and we're through with Lydia. We're, uh, well, well, we'll see about that. Well, yeah, we'll see about that. <laughs> but Lydia had a desire to be with the right people. That's verse 15 of chapter 16. And um, we're not going to go any further than just to say that. She had a desire to be with the right people. And so she started with the right people when she went to the place down by the river to pray. Well, not to pray. It was the house of prayer, a, a place of people committing themselves to the ways of God. And she was right there in the midst because she had a desire to be with the right people. That's a great lesson to learn. Now, there's one more thing that I want to talk about that goes back four weeks. You already forgot about that. I can tell. But we, we talked about, in fact, I had it reminded just this last week when I had my uh, a friend here. Uh, we talked about the cradle. And he got kind of, he had not learned about the cradle in his um, hermeneutics, which is the word that covers what? Her, well, it, it, it's a study of how to, it's a work on how to study the Bible. And of course, one of the principles of hermeneutics is context. And we've used the word cradle because it is, it has more emotion and drama involved to it. And the books on hermeneutics fall short in a lot of ways. Now, to remind us about the cradle, I've asked Neil this morning to give us a living demonstration of his life in the Navy. And then I want you to look at Tanya and see that she wore a sweatshirt that when the mayor and I went from the coast, we hopped on this ship to bring it into the dry dock. And when it was in the dry dock, that's called the cradle. Now, Neil's going to give us his experience with the cradle. Well, uh, that's a good start. It's a good start. <laughs> and I didn't put that together until hearing you talk about the cradle, and I realized that I had seen it in real life. But while I was in the Navy, and it, I had a chance to go to dry dock more than 50 years ago. I think it was called Charleston Naval Shipyard. But it's like being in the locks in um, the Panama Canal. That's what it reminded me of. Um, 
after I went there. Uh, anyway, you go into a place and they close it up and they drain the water out slowly. But what I didn't know was in that contained area, there was a framework down below underneath the ship somewhat. And they slowly lower it down. The ship's the focal point. But everything around it is 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 what supports it, the ship, in a way that there were hundreds of people working to secure just one ship in, in that in that framework in that cradle, and then after it was kind of in the cradle, it started they're supporting it with big timbers and cables and things like that. Um, but when it's all accomplished and it's dry. There's people walking it down around underneath of that, that hundreds and thousands of ton of steel there. And it's supported. Um, it never moves. It's like it's bolted to the ground. Uh, it doesn't sway. It's completely supported, but in a way that it can be all worked on. So the cradle is what supports everything that's in it. And within that cradle is all that there is to, to have, I guess. It's it's the cure place for the context or the or the or the condition or the the uh, the actual what's actually in that cradle. Now Neil, can I ask you a question? Sure. I'm going to anyway. All right. But Will that ship in the cradle be of any value as long as it remains in the cradle? <laughs> no, the function of the ship is gone while it's in the cradle. That's right. Um, but it's supported until it, it becomes functional. And then it's released. Then it's released. And uh, it's, it's released from the cradle and then it goes back to its purpose after it's been worked on. That's the Very same true. as the wood rush that she's wearing there. I'll stand up. You should stand up. Since I look like this at church. Well, you can look like that at church. That's, uh, that's the ship that we brought into the dry dock in Troutdale. And, uh, I'm the visual. You're the visual. <laughs> Too bad we can't get a shot of this on the camera. I could go worldwide <laughs> or up to Oregon. That's a good Bible. Okay, have you guys all got that? <laughs> yeah, we got it. Okay. You're good. Thank okay. you. I'm not, I was happy to be part of this <coughs> lesson. Well, so I think you get an idea of where we were several weeks ago in describing the cradle. That, that's how we left, in my opinion, we have to insist that we always develop and see what's going on in the cradle and then what emerges out of that cradle is where we have to plug in and is always applicable to what went on while that was in the cradle. You don't expect a baby to act like a snake. It's important to get it there to uh, sort it out and look at it from different angles. You can't see that ship you can't see the bottom of that ship on your two feet no. when it's in water. No. And it can't fulfill its purpose if it hasn't been there in service. If it hasn't been there and then released and 
Now it's back into the water and it can fulfill its purpose. That's how the Bible is constructed, folks. That's why we have to be of a gentle nature. I know I'm harsh, but I have to, I have to make my point. You know, we have to make people mad, sad, or glad. Because if they don't get worked up one way or the other, it never sinks in. I've had folks in studies for, I guess, 65 years, and you know I've had folks in there for years and years and years, and then after 8 or 10 years or 15 years, oh, that's what you meant? Yeah, you know, we're slow learners. Or I'm a poor teacher, and that's probably more like it. All right, now, onward we go. Now, we're through with Lydia for a while, and we're through with the, the, um, the cradle. Don't forget the principle. Thank you, Neil. You're welcome. I have a comment about the cradle. I was in on part of your conversation, and it was very enlightening. Jesus was born in a cradle to support a beginning point, birthing, and then we are of no value until we get up and sent. And so we are sent afterwards out to be made use of like you're finishing up now today. That was very, very enlightening. Yeah, the potential is there, but mm -hmm. we can't function as long as we're in that cradle as a human being or as a ship. And it's our support, our security, our birth. Yeah. You see the point? Very much so. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So no, that's good comment. Yeah, yeah. yeah. great. Yeah. Great. Uh, I hope that's all we're getting recorded. But, you, uh, but the... Um, it is so vital that we see that the scriptures are put together so beautifully, so contextually. We have to think through the context and what is in one cradle, one context, can't be applied necessarily to another context because it's a different cradle. There's something different going to emerge out of it. That's why... I'm not really strong in cross-referencing, and we got a lot of Bible. A lot of our Bibles have a lot of cross-references in them. Thompson Chain Reference Bible. Anybody hear of that? Uh, I use the Dixon uh, Reference Bible. Uh, and um, the, the thing is that each one of those references that is follow, follow, following a word study all of those words are out of a different cradle. They really have a different implication to them. So cross-referencing has to be very limited. I'm not saying there's not a place for it. But anyway, onward we go. We're back to um, chapter 16 and verse, um, I think verse 15 or six, verse 16. We, we're, th we're through with Lydia. By the way, there is a lot more to Lydia. <laughs> but you don't want to go there. You need another couple of weeks on it? Yeah, I do. You know, there are so many grammar things that we haven't discussed here that are really, I think, boring to everybody, but I like them. Um, <clears throat> but we have to move on. And now we're talking about another lady. In verse 16, and it came to pass, as we went to an object of prayer. 
some some of the translators have used what the word place of prayer but it's an object it's not a saying it's not something that they did it was a place where they went it was a place where serious people about uh, serious about God went to develop their commitments to God I've been uh, switching my prayers too and saying, Dear Lord, I recommit myself to, and then finish the sentence in the beginning, as a uh, beginning point in the, in the quote, prayers, um, that because of you teaching it as a commitment. That's right. What we're doing first, and then thank you, Lord. Thank you. And then the petitions. <laughs> well, and there's lots of things besides the word prayer comes from the Greek word prosuke, but not all of all of the words that deal with communication with God are that word. So yeah. there's lots of uh, variations there. Lots of different meanings. And, different and they have different words. meanings. So let's get back to the riverside. That's where we are. Oh, I love the riverside. We got one right down Almasco where we live. <laughs> this morning the road was blocked for two yeah, days. It used to be called the street. <laughs> it used to be called the now street. It's the riverside. Anyhow, back to the riverside. <clears throat> That's in verse 13. We're looking at uh, something new here today. We're looking at uh, verse 16. And it came to pass as we went to prayer, uh, a certain damsel possessed, possessed. Now, I would like to have, uh, this is the only thing I'm going to do today, I think. Uh, I want her. To, I want Alex to look in that uh, that word right there, possessed, or having a spirit of divination, and I, I, I need the parsing on that word. <clears throat> the parsing. It's in the present tense, active voice, and it's a verb made into an adjective, so it's called a... And what gender would it be in? Well, it's in feminine in this case, singular, and the West... And, uh, well, it's the, yeah, something, it was in, she, it was participle, meaning that it was an ongoing situation. It wasn't a come and go thing. It is a description of what was going on with this gal, and the word ekusan is the word not just for possession, but it means keeping, honoring, nurturing. She was nurturing this unusual nature. You see that? So, first of all, we find in this text a true victim. Confused. It was not that something that she had done to herself. Right. She may have allowed it to have been done. We don't know that. But it had been done to her. Not in the middle voice. It's in the active voice. Something had happened to her outside of her will. Now I want that to sink in. She is not given a name. 
Now here again is another biblical reference so vital to the beginning of what's going on with God's dream becoming established, the place of no coercion. That is so critical right here. Now the book of Acts is that process of God developing the place of no coercion. We have a true victim in the apostolic age. No name because he doesn't want the name of this little slave girl being bandied around, talked about, gossiped about, and he certainly, the author certainly didn't want the church today to spend all of its time discussing about the poverty of this little girl. And they would. The position that she was in so we can learn from it? We're going to learn the big picture here in just a moment. No name. Just a certain damsel or small or some call it a slave girl. And either way, why it's the same thing because of how it, she was being used. And what she was, the word having there, being in all of that context, not of her own doing, but she possessed what? Spirit of divination. A spirit of divination, and it's called in the Greek, well, it's almost in the Greek. It's not quite the same, but, but you can tell by the, the wording that it's the word python. Python? Python. P-Y. Yeah, Python. Uh -huh. A python is like, is not a puppy dog. It's a big snake that squishes you up. And That's then right. You. Oh, does it say python? Mm -hmm. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. A python, that is by an ana uh, analogy with the supposed diviner there. Sure. Um, that the, um, the python was the source of her inspiration. Now you think about that. He's talking not about a python. She doesn't have a python inside of her. She has the thing that you know a python by. She had that which you know a python, a python by within her, and it was calling the shots. There's a definition of spirit. There is a good, de that's a good definition of spirit. Let's, let's look at, uh, uh, oh, I hope, I hope, I, Mark 16 and verse 17. I liked your story on the ship, and I liked her wearing that sweatshirt today. That just yeah. tied in real nicely. I like... I like pageantry. <laughs> I like things that are illustrative. A spirit of divination. Um, so it's even... So... Did you look at spirit on in front of divination? What was the word I was after? Divination? Uh, Mark 16, 
1617. These signs will accompany those who have believed. Those of whom? Now, you know the text by now, folks. Mark 16. He's speaking to whom? To the twelve apostles. Yeah, to the apostles, of course. So the the uh, those who have those of you apostles who have believed, and yet see, he's not saying that some didn't or that some wouldn't, but he's saying those who have. He's being inclusive. In my name, they will cast out demons. Now, can you look at the word demons? Or is that going to be too processed, too too much of a process? Um, <clears throat> I think we're uh, what? Yeah, no, I I was in the wrong. Okay, Mark sixteen seventeen. Um, okay, and look at the gender. Okay, gender is the same as spirit which is always in what gender? Neuter gender. Neuter gender. Oh, you are learning. You are getting it finally. The demons are always in neuter gender, which means that neuter, that they are a tool of Satan to be used in some way for some mission. They're just, they are in themselves as its, just containers, just only containers. Vessels. 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 As the spirit is a vessel, your spirit is the vessel that carries who you are. God's spirit is the vessel that carries what God is with him, or the spirit of Christ is what carries with it Christ's spirit. It's the container. So here we have the true victim, and she has a spirit, a container, filled with what? Divination. Divination, which is the spirit of the python. You're curious as to why neither of these words are in the genitive? And I know they have concord. But well, the of there is is it's, uh, they're um, they're in the accusative. They're both in the accusative. They're both the directive. They're direct objects. Mm-hmm. So that's why you would you would use the of then. Well, well that was yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I would not use the of yeah, literally right. because the of is genitive and means possessive. Yeah. And that's not in there. But it's a. The word spirit and divination can't be separated by that of, literally, but it's kind of hard for us to talk that way. You know, that's the difficulty. Okay, so here here we have a true victim. A true victim. And I want to go to one other scripture in Matthew 12, 28, that, this, that the apostles could cast out demons. That was one of their missions. Now, we took that out of a context, but that's the only thing we're concerned with right now, is that the apostles could cast out demons. Now, let's go to um, Matthew 12, 28. If I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. 
Well, first of all, we don't need to go any further. The rest of that passage is too strong and it would just offend you. But if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, is he saying that, well, I don't know whether I am or not? No. No, uh, to the opposite. If I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, then what has happened? The kingdom of God has come upon you. That the rule of God has come upon you. The rule, the kingdom means the rule of God. How can anyone enter a strong man's house and carry off his property unless you first bind the strong man? And then he will plunder his house. He's talking about he's plundering the strong man, getting rid of all of the vessels that he can be used to manipulate and coerce human beings. You see that? Got to get the picture. One more, Hebrews 2.14. Hebrews 2.14. Sorry I didn't give you a warning. I didn't know I was going here. That's just the curse of it all. Therefore, since the children share in the flesh and blood, he himself likewise also couldn't take part of the same. Partook. Oh, Tanya's got it right. Also took part of the same flesh and blood. Is God flesh and blood? What does Hebrews, uh, what does Matthew say? God is not flesh and blood. So this, this rules out Jesus from being God, lock, stock, and barrel. And as soon as you start thinking that he is, you got a problem, big problem that puts you into the camp of the Calvinist. He himself likewise also took part of the same. He took part of the same. How did he get there from Philippians chapter 2? He says he put aside my, his identity with God and took on the nature of man. That's he, uh, pro, uh, Philippians chapter 2. Lower than the angels. Lower than the angels. That's low. Almost my level. Well, don't go, don't go so far. <laughs> that through death he might render through what? Through what? Death. 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 He might render powerless. Him who had the power of death, that is, the devil. Now, the devil isn't done away with until chapter uh, 20 of Revelation. But here, he's saying that he had become powerless by the what? By the death of Christ. You see, that doesn't apply to any political party today. Satan is not rendered powerless by all of your manipulation by all of your uncovering of, of conspiracies. I believe that there are many conspiracies, but you know if there are 9,000 conspiracies, not one of them have one impact on what we're talking about today because if you are involved in it, you are a part of the conspiracy. People don't get it. That the power of death overcame the strength of the devil and it was evidenced by those living at that time by the casting out of his vessels through which he used to manipulate and coerce people. Number two. There were the opportunists. Those who sought to gain a benefit from 
this slave girl. The principle I see here is that they were taking advantage of another one's misfortune. They found this girl who had a spirit which was possible at that time because it was in the apostolic time and it was, they could still cast them out and we know that that doesn't exist today. Today we do not live by the pos- satanic possession. We live by satanic obsession. We choose it. As individuals, yeah, we can attitudes, disposition, yeah, unkindness, no care for people, all of those kind of things. That doesn't comes out of our own life, out of our own heart, and all of that comes out of our relationship and understanding that where Jesus fits into the scheme of redemption of humanity. We're a long ways from getting that established in the minds of a lot of people. I mean church people. So these people here were the opportunists. And uh, <clears throat> they, they brought, uh, she brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. And we, we talked about that last week. She was very inspirational to listen to. Oh, she, she had it down. But who was using, you know, actually Satan through the spirit that he had forcibly emplaced with her in, in her as a vessel, having maintained the spirit of divination, it was a spirit of being attractive. Um, I think I'm like starting a rabbit trail, so don't go on it, but would her fortune telling as if she knew ahead of time, future, and she couldn't have known everything because she's not omni-knowledgeable. Omni so she would only know so much. Who she's possessed by, the demons, can only know so much. They can't know everything. Well, you know, the word fortune-telling is a poor choice of words okay, here. Probably. Yeah. And, and by the way, we don't mind rabbit trails. <laughs> we just hop along just fine. Yeah. It's so long as whatever whatever she was doing, she was making her master's money. And that of course that's the crux of the story, but that's the crux of that part of the story. That's true. So they were using her for the benefits that they got out of her and she was able to do she was able to inspire people, to lift them up, to encourage people, um, to be motivational. Uh, to be positive, and the word fortune-telling here doesn't really have to do with, um, there, there, is that the word? This is, this is the, that was the derivation. Um, derivation. Um, yeah. um, it, it just seems to me to, uh, to have s- some inner inspiration. Music writers... They're not inspired by God, but they, they have an inspiration for the music they write. It's in that sense. Mm-hmm. Don't understand that? So that's the opportunists. Here's, that's what they were after. And so they, they were willing to sacrifice this person 
make use of her gift, satanic gift, as a means of taking advantage of her misfortune. She had no control over this at all. That's why the demons had to be cast out, and that was the evidence of them being cast out, was that Satan would be destroyed and was destroyed because in his dream, God's dream, there is no coercion, no manipulation, no force. And this was all representing the very opposite of God's dream. Number three. Now, I think we've already probably said enough about that, but it's, it's the demonic possession that could be cast out, and we don't know that yet, but we will hear in a verse or two that the spirit was cast out. Number four. What was the word for three then? I just heard a phrase. What was the word then to use for three? What word? You said number three. Oh, no, no, number three, with the opportunist. They, the, opportun- the people who took advantage. No, that's number two. That's right. I can't read my own writing. And the cause was the demo- demonic, demoniac uh, possession. And fourthly, the principle involved that, that was violated that irritate Paul. <clears throat> Nobody here has ever been irritated. <coughs> well, I can tell that, but there's no response. <laughs> the no response says a lot, folks. Yeah, I heard a, I heard a response over here. <laughs> That's one of my favorite words. I'm irritated. <laughs> I think it's the most interesting part. Uh, this is really the fulcrum part of this whole you know, story is when Paul... When it goes up to here, that's when the seesaw goes the other way. That's right. And but how she, how she kept repeating that. Over. It, it says she kept crying out. And what, so what, it, what verse are we in here? 17. So the same followed Paul and us. And us is what first person pronoun, which means it's Paul, Silas, and whom? Luke. Luke, because it's in first person. Has to be Luke. Yes. Has to be Luke. He's the author. He's writing all this down. And and cried, saying, cried out. That means he, he just was hollering all the time. Sarcastically, These, sarcastically perhaps? Or uh, some other way. I mean, you I know, know we're speculating. I'm, that that would be a speculation, and I don't know, but I know how I know that how Paul reacted to it, which is a clue. So, these men are the servants of the Most High God. Why? Why wouldn't Paul want that to be said? Right. Putting a twist on. But right. there's a there's Putting a spin. twist. That's right. Here comes Paul. Here comes Paul. Uh-oh. Yeah, this is a great guy. He knows what he's saying. These men are the servants of the Most High God. Most High God. I mean, she's acknowledging God here. 
which shows unto us the way of salvation. Which shows unto us the way of salvation. And that she's saying that to her audience. These men are bondservants, tied, harnessed to the Most High God. And they're proclaiming to you the way of salvation. That's true. Reverse psychology. But my principle is that saying the right things for the wrong reason is a problem. A quick insert on my verse 16, and the footnote says claiming, she was claiming to foretell future. So it was a falsehood already. Well, because she, she wasn't believing it. She was being sarcastic even in saying so. It happened it to could, be It could be, but you see, it it happened that, to be because true. They're, they're translating that word fortune-telling as prophesying about, uh, is it really the right word? Okay, thank so you. I, would dis, I would discount that whole okay, comment. But don't discount it, but I'm just saying that's my opinion on that. David, I can see why Paul wouldn't desire to be part of her bag of tricks. You can. You think you wouldn't like that? No, I mean he absolutely wouldn't. It, you mean you tell people, me people people died for less? You mean that when you go and you bring your beautiful, beautiful work of art from the shop, all the steel steel that you these guys have put together so beautifully, and that you had a you had banners walking up and down the street saying that these guys know what they're doing. They know how to prepare this equipment for you guys to use and your cutting tools. Just You mean you wouldn't like that? I'd like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there must have been something going on, but it's not recorded yet. Makes me wonder if they were cutting into her and her master's profit. Well, there's going to be. That's for sure. Sure. So the principle here, you know, not everyone has the right to speak the truth. That's going to grab you. Not everyone has a right. And this principle is that she was saying the right thing. She just, she said nothing wrong. You could analyze this from now until... Your left eye is an, is an egg. And no sight. I mean, it wouldn't make any difference how long you, you said this. There's nothing wrong with what she said. There may be, have been with how she said it, where she said it, but first of all, she had no right to be saying that because what she was saying had no evidence. Her motivation. Hmm. Well, she was just saying it out of, like, if somebody was doing all of these things for Nolan in his shop when he's delivering these goods, and they knew nothing about it. Mm-hmm. See, they don't know whether these are good mm-hmm. tools or not good tools. No power in the words. No power. They're just empty words. Mm-hmm. So, you see, she had... She, as far as we know, she had no evidence 
to behind what she said about Paul, nor about what he was saying, or about Silas, Paul and Silas, and about Paul, uh, about anything that she said. She had no evidence. There's no evidence. I got to finish this, and our time is gone. I wanted to get through this today. You guys are great. I love a class that's just filled with discussion. We don't mind rabbit trails. I find a lot of them out in the woods. I follow them. Her comment seems to be just stirring the muck there. What? Her comment seems to be kind of stirring the muck there. Yes, sure do. She's causing problems for Paul and his group by pre-announcing their intent. Uh, Oh, good point. Good point. Pre-announcing it. And as far as she knows, as far as we know, she had not been involved in any of the process that would give her credibility as far as credentials. And from where we're coming from, they were dealing with people one-on-one. That's what they, that's what they were doing with people. That's Here this so is point. being broadcasted yeah. out loud. That, that's a great point. There's and where we come from as well, it's a complete 180 in character. Yeah. Good, good thinking. Let me finish this verse and we've got to quit. Where, where, what verse am I in? 18? Okay. I command you, Paul, being grieved. Being grieved. Something was irritating him about this girl. No, no. not at all. He, she didn't even have a name. Something was irritating him about what or how she was saying what she was saying. Not that there was anything untrue. She was not telling a lie. He would have probably been happier if it had been a lie, but he didn't want Satan using her as a vessel to tell anybody who he was. And it wasn't her he was speaking to. It was the Spirit. That's right. So he said, and turned to the Spirit, And the spirit, of course, is still neuter. It is that vessel. He spoke to the vessel. I command you. In the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And notice they've got the the gender right. And it, it, the vessel, came out of her that very moment. That tells you that what I said to begin this class with today, that there is no solution to the world's problems apart from our view and our thinking and our conversations revolving Jesus Christ. He is the answer to the world's issues today, but religion has so convoluted it and it is so messed up that it itself Religion has become the enemy of truth. I want you to remember that. And so everything else, all of everything else in the secular world doesn't even measure up to that as far as falsehood is concerned. No solution apart from what solution God sent to redeem man. The principle is here that because she was saying the right things, but maybe in a wrong way that we don't know, but anyhow, she was saying out loud, publicly, 
Paul took the Spirit, cast it out. Just as he was promised the ability to do in Matthew and uh, in Acts and in Hebrews 2. That was the proof that Satan was in the process of being, well, meeting his final demise. Having his home plundered. He was having his house plundered. And everything else, just, there's no, no value to anything else, folks. I just hate to say that, but there is no value. Absolutely no value to anything but what has evolved right here. Father, we need to be strongly committed to what's right in every way and to what's true for the right reason. In Jesus' name, amen.